You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. This is verse 11, chapter 6, book of Galatians. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It's those who would want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, your word, it is precious It is life-giving. It is everything for us. I pray, God, now that you would speak to us through your word, that your spirit would bring to life the words that I speak, and that we would, we all would be changed by the power of your word, through the power of your spirit, and that you would be glorified in everything that happens in this place this morning. We love you, and we already are just so thankful for how you've met us. Continue to meet us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> there's, um, there's this guy I know, and every time we talk or have connected, and he, uh, he's not a close friend. He's someone I, I've tried to build some relationship with, and every time we talk, talk, the conversation inevitably loops back around to him talking about himself. All the time. Talking about things he's wanting to do, things he is doing, things he's bragging about, things he is excited over. And, you know, to some measure, that's fine. But we all have been there, right? You, you get into these conversations, and you just know where it's going to turn. You know it's the, the conversation is inevitably somehow going to be looped back around to that person. And that is it's frustrating, because I want to talk about me. <laughs> just kidding. But that's... That's kind of the dance we play, we deal with it when we're engaging in conversation and relationship with other people. And I think we all share in this notion that we do not like people who brag a lot about themselves. There was an article in Time magazine, Time, like one of the biggest magazines ever had this article, and the title was this, Here's How to Brag Without Making People Hate You. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? Like, we actually need an article to help us navigate these waters because we just all want to do this. We all want to talk about ourselves. There was some study that was done that said 40% of conversations will inevitably turn back around so that the person is talking about themselves. And in our culture right now, I mean, with, with, with social media being what it is, I mean, we are in the throes of it more than ever. This is why Time Magazine needs an article like that, because more than ever, people are bragging about their lives, and more than ever, people hate it. And so there's even this phenomenon that has come, a new word has been created 
This word called humble brag. Are you familiar with it? You ever heard of it? Humble brag. It's a combination of humble and bragging, right? And what it is, is a way for you to talk about yourself without making it seem like you're talking about yourself because you kind of cloud it in a, a complaint or some sort of like self-deprecating humor. So you brag without making people feel like you're really bragging that you kind of hate the good thing that's happening in your life. So I found some funny examples um, on Twitter, of course, because that's where all, all things happen. Um, so I'm going to show you a few of these. This is an example of humble bragging. Huge promotion at work this week. Finally reached six figures. Hashtag blessed. That's a humble brag because, you know, you throw on the hashtag blessed. All right, let's look at another one. Not to, not to toot my own horn, that's never a good way to start a sentence, but there are literally too many different things I'm good at and too many different things I'm passionate about, and I'm so confused about what to do with my life. What do you do when everything is your calling? Hashtag screamy face, hashtag crying face, or not hashtag, emoji, sorry. <laughs> I'm just too good at stuff. What do you do? How do you, you know, this, is, this, is, this is my cross to bear. Another one. Just because my post went viral, ain't nothing changed because I'm the same dude. Hashtag humble. I want you to know my, my, my post went viral, but I'm still, I'm still the same guy. All right, one more, one more. Just ruined my perfect grade by getting a 90%, 96% on a quiz. Cry emoji, cry emoji, cry emoji. Right, this is the guy we hate, right? This is the one out of all of them. Like, oh, my life so hard, got an A, but ruined my perfect grade. <laughs> Today we're talking about bragging. The Bible uses a different word for it. The Bible uses the word boast. We all boast. It's not just the annoying people on Twitter. We all boast. It's not just the problem of a few we have things that we take pride in, things that we want other people to know. And the question is, why do we boast? What does boasting reveal about ourselves? When we say we're boasting, it means we are, we are elevating something up to a level that we just want to highlight. We want to show that it's important, something that's going on. Why do we do this? What are we trying to accomplish? And the argument I think Paul is making, the argument that I will make, is that boasting reveals what we trust Boasting reveals what's important. It, it reveals what things we find value in, right? If I, if I continue to talk about how much money I have, then it shows that I find significance in wealth. It shows that I find value in wealth. What about when we, parents are notorious, right? We brag about our kids. We boast in our kids. Not always a bad thing, but what is it when we are overly boasting in our children, in their performance, how good they are, how well-behaved, how smart, how athletic, we are communicating something about our own life, right? That we are finding value in how our kids look, act, behave, think, or really I'm, I'm revealing how their performance gives me value. And this could be for anything, beauty, intelligence, ability, things that we just, 
we have the tendency to trust in and find significance in. And that's what we're talking about today. Really, that's what we've talked about every single Sunday since we started the, this study through Galatians. We're wrapping it up today. We're wrapping up this great letter that Paul writes, and we've called this series Foundations for Life, that, that the gospel is the absolute center of our existence, and it is the foundation upon which we build everything, all of life. And you would expect at the end of this letter, or you would expect that at the end of any book, any essay, any argument, there would be some kind of summarizing element, some statement that, that encapsulates what we've been talking about the whole time, and we have it. In verse 14, Paul gives us the, the statement, the encapsulating statement. It's his one last try to help us understand everything that he has been talking about. And, and the, the message is summed up in just a few words. He, he's saying, boast in the cross. Boast in the cross. Not if you boast, but when you boast, let your boasting be in the cross. It is his final statement on the gospel. And we have been hitting it hard for two months, a little over two months. We have focused so heavily on what is the gospel? What is the gospel? What are we talking about when we use that word gospel? Because it's thrown around in all kinds of different settings. We say this word gospel, but do we understand what it means? Paul has labored in six chapters of this letter to tell us what the gospel is. I have labored to try to communicate his message to us because it is so important. And he makes this one final final push to help us understand what the gospel is, what the gospel isn't. The gospel is not the message, do better, try harder, and God will like you more. The message of the gospel is, Jesus did it all, trust him with your life, and you will find relationship with God. Paul's message is look at the cross. If you look at the cross, if you see it properly, understand it, then you will have everything that you need. And verse 14 is maybe the greatest statement on the meaning, on the importance, on the power of the cross. And you see it. Look at what he says. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I mean, that is it right there. You want to, you want to understand the, the Christian life, Christianity, this is it. Forget about what you see in the news. Forget about what you see being displayed everywhere else. If you really want to understand Christ, if you want to understand this faith system, Christianity, the Christian life, this statement sums it up. The, um, I love uh, sports, and one of my favorite sports that I just get to participate in uh, is, is CrossFit. I enjoy it. I love it. If you have opinions on that, that's fine. You, you can keep that to yourself because <laughs> it can be polarizing. But... Um, one of the sport's greatest athletes of all time, his name is Rich Froning, and he 
uh, he's a strong Christian. He is unbelievably athletic, unbelievably fit. I mean, he's just an, un, it's crazy what he can do. Um, but he has become known because he's got this giant tattoo on his side, and it's this verse. Galatians 6, 14. And I love that because he's making a statement with his life, and it's a bold statement that no matter how amazing I am, how fit I am, how athletic, how gifted I am, this is my boast. It is in Christ, and he is very vocal about that. And Paul is just driving this home one last time, and he even says it. He's saying, I'm grabbing the pen now. See, Paul typically would use a, a scribe to write down the letters, but it's, it's common in, in his letters for you to see towards the end of the letter. He's saying, I'm writing this now. He's saying, look, I want you to understand. This is me. This is Paul with my own hand. I am telling you this. And what he's saying is he's, he's, he's asking his readers and he's asking us to evaluate our lives. This question, what are you boasting in? Because the answer to this question, what are you boasting in? will reveal all kinds of things about where your heart is and where your life is. What are you boasting in? The heart of your faith system is found in the answer to this question. And we've tried over the last few months to, to highlight areas that are even are good, good things in our life. But if those things become the answer to this question, we're in trouble. Paul says, it's the cross. It has to be the cross. And this is hard for us because it throws us off of our game. We, we tend to have the wrong idea about what Christianity is, and the world around us tends to have the wrong idea about what Christianity is. I promise, if you ask generally, what does it mean to be a Christian? Very few answers would come back. It means boasting in the cross. Because it means we have to understand the cross, that it is the most important thing ever. And, and Paul makes this statement. He says, far be it from me. Now, that, that's, that's a funny phrase. We don't really talk like that. And it, what's even more interesting is in the original language in the scripture, it's two words. This far be it from me actually comes from two words. And it's actually much stronger than what we even get in the English where we see bar, you know, we see. Far be it from me. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't speak to us. It's as if Paul is saying, I 100% with absolute certainty will never, ever, 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 ever boast in anything but this. That it is the most important thing to my life. It is strong language that Paul uses that it is the most important thing, the center of the Christian faith and the center of Paul's message. We even see it in other places that Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, we see Paul say, for I've decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why does Paul say it so strongly? He says, I, I decided to know nothing. Now, is that Paul just being a little slow and just lazy? He's like, right, I don't even want to know more of what Jesus did. I, this is all I can handle right now. No, Paul was smart, man. He was smarter than all of us. He was the top of his field, the top of the class. And he's making the statement to help us see 
that this, nothing comes close. And it doesn't mean that the other things Jesus did weren't important. No, they were very important, but Paul is saying all of it is on a trajectory to this, Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is what I will build my life on. That is what Paul's saying. And I think what's interesting is maybe to think of it in terms of what Paul doesn't say. Paul doesn't say, far be it from me, that I will never boast in the things Jesus did or the things Jesus taught. He doesn't say, I'll never boast in how he loved other people or the miracles that he did, how nice he was. See, and this is what most people want, right? They want the Christian life to be about what we do and how we live. That what we believe isn't as important as what we do. Most people want to to say, well, it's not what you believe about Jesus, but whether you live like Jesus. It's common. This is a common message. And I, you, please hear me. What we do is important. How we live, how we love, that we absolutely want to go out and, and minister and care for and meet needs. Like that is absolutely essential to the Christian life. We need to love our neighbor. neighbor. We need to seek justice, care for the marginalized, be a voice for the voiceless. But what we believe is so essential. It will shape, what we believe will shape how we love. It's a foundation. It gives us motivation to love. It makes our love infinitely more effective. And so Paul says, all those things are important, but I'm going to tell you what, Christ crucified is the center and far be it from me to boast in anything. I'm not going to boast in how well I need to love and, and, and the ways that I'm supposed to give of my life. I'm going to boast in something much bigger, something much more important, not in what Jesus did, not in his teaching, but in the cross. And it's He's, he's saying that what really matters is not what Jesus told us to do, but what Jesus came to do. Our focus needs to be on what Jesus did. And what he did was he came to die. There's this great conversation that Jesus has with one of his best friends, Peter. Right? We, we've hopefully heard of Peter in some way, shape, or form. Peter was one of the close guys to Jesus, and they have this, this conversation where Peter finally realizes that Jesus is the guy. He's the Messiah. He's the one, and Jesus commends him for it. And then Jesus goes on and tells him, well, let me tell you what it means. It means that I'm actually going to have to go and suffer, and I'm going to have to die for you and for the world. And Peter says, oh, no, 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 no. That, that's not what you no, no, that's not going to happen. And Jesus gets mad. And Jesus, this is a famous sentence, statement. He says to Peter, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. This is not the nickname you want Jesus calling you. He, Peter loved the fact that Jesus was going to do something to, to help people. But when it came to understanding that what that meant was him 
going to the cross and suffering and dying, Peter said, no, no, that, that's wrong. And Jesus said, well, that, that's it. This is what I'm here for. The cross. Guys, if you're saying, I, I get it, Adam, enough. <laughs> we need to move on to other things. I, I, we can't. You see, there is no moving on. This is the beginning point of our faith. It's the middle point of our faith. It's the, it's the end of our faith. It is, the, it, is, it, it is everything that we are about as Christians, as believers. What we believe matters and what we believe about the cross. See, we can't just go out and be good people without the understanding of the gospel, without the understanding of the cross, we will not be able to meet the deepest needs that we all have. See, in our good deeds, in our going out and doing good, we want to show the world the love behind the love, the hope behind the love, the God behind the love that, that died for us. Living good lives without the cross is not enough. It's not what the world needs. And so for us in this room, if you're, if you're not a Christian, you don't consider yourself a Christian, we're so glad you're here. And we want to communicate this message that this is, this is the starting point. The main thing you need to know in order to become a Christian is understanding the cross. Put your faith, put your hope in Christ. If you are a Christian, this is how we grow as Christians. This is understanding the cross is how we will cultivate growth and life as we live day in and day out. It's understanding the cross. If Paul needed to be reminded of this daily, he says, far be it for me to boast in the cross in anything but the cross. If Paul needs to be reminded of that, how much more do we need this constantly flowing in us? But it is offensive. Morality is popular, right? We, we want people doing good things. We want people loving one another. We want to see good things happening. We want to see justice happening. We want to see mercy happening. We want to see love happening. And, and that is popular and excited. And as long as we're doing that, that's fine. But when we start talking about the cross, it, a problem comes up because it is offensive. It's offensive to everybody. It's offensive in general because you're talking about a device of torture and death. Saying, I will boast in the cross is like saying, I will boast in the electric chair. I will boast in lynching. I will boast in the firing squad. I mean, it, it's, it's an offensive statement. And if we're not offended ever by what the cross signifies and what the gospel communicates, if we're not offended by that, then we're not getting it. If it's all, it, it's not meant to be an easy message, man. It's just not. Do you know why? Do you know why we're offended? Because the cross is the ultimate symbol that, that destroys self-preservation and self-salvation. 
We want to save ourselves. We want a, a hand in it. We want to, to engage in the battle to say like, look, I, I get it. God, you're good and you're able to do this, but I did some good too, right? I was able to, to come alongside and give you a hand. And the cross is like, no, 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 actually you didn't. The cross is the symbol of Christ alone saving his people. The cross shows us that we're unable to contribute and people don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that we're too weak or that we're too sinful or too messed up to contribute to our salvation. And do you see how both, no matter where you lean politically, if you're more left or more right, both sides are offended at the at the cross. If you tend to be more conservative, the whole message that good people are in the same boat as bad people <laughs> is offensive because good conservative people think, well, if I dress right and I look right and I talk right and I do the right things, then I'm a good person and I'm not like those people over there who... No, 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 the gospel puts everybody on equal footing. If, if you tend to be a little more liberal-minded, well, then the, the, the cross becomes too narrow and too, too exclusive and too intolerant of other views where both are coming to this point of, yeah, it is the cross, the cross only. We're all on equal footing and it is a narrow path. It is one way to get to God. And Jesus made no apologies for it. And he says, yeah, it's going to be offensive. And you see, Galatians 1, 2, 3, and 4 all was a, a, a foundational element of understanding what the gospel is. Chapters 5 and 6, most of chapter 6 and all of chapter 5 was about how we're going to live the Christian life. And you remember, we talked about living by the Spirit and living by the flesh, and we talked practical ways that we can live this life. Well, right at the end, he's, he's outside of this is what you need to do and more of this is how you need to think. This is the summary because it, if we just walk out of here and going, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get on the horse. To, I'm back at church finally, and now, you know, life's going to start getting my act together. I'm going to start doing better. I'm, I'm going to be nicer to people. I'm going to start. We're missing the foundation. What we believe about the cross is essential. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. But I do want to give us some practical things to help us as we think through how this plays out in our life. How does belief, understanding the cross, transfer into power for my, for my daily life? Because boasting in the cross is going to mean a shift for us, right? We, we talked about it. It's offensive. And if it's offensive, that means... It should always, there should be a wrestling inside of us when we are confronted with a holy, perfect God. When we're confronted with the gospel, with the cross, we should feel the tension of that. And we should feel it when we read these words and it's so counter-cultural and counter-intuitive. So I want to help us see the way boasting in the cross will shift the way that we experience life. And I just want to give you three little 
hooks to hang your thoughts on. As we boast in the cross, it's going to mean heart over habit. What do I mean? Heart over habit. The Christian life, man, it's about change. It is about real transformation. But that transformation starts on the inside. And I already was just talking about it. It's not as much what we do as, as what we believe because what we believe will impact what we do. And so when I say heart over habit, it's transformation inside out. It's not about keeping up a ritual, keeping up routine, what you what you do on a daily basis, it's about what is going on inside of your heart. Is there change happening? See, the, the bad guys in the Galatian church, the false teachers, they were promoting what you did, not your heart. They didn't care about the heart. Look at the, that verse 12, right? It says, those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. You see, the, the, the false teachers were coming in and they were saying, look, this is what you need to do. Don't worry about your heart. Worry about how you appear. Make sure you bear the marks of a believer. And Paul is saying, all they cared about was how they looked on the outside. They got into ministry for the fame, to look good, right? That's what he says, in order that they may not be persecuted. They want to make a good showing in the flesh. They want to look good. Guys, we want heart change, and heart change is the hard change. Man, it's easy to correct behavior. Stop doing that. Okay. <laughs> Stop thinking that. It's a whole different level. That's what God wants to do. He wants to come in and he wants to change our hearts, man, so that we're not so caught up in what we do or don't do. But what is, what is our heart longing for? What is our heart after? They wanted approval. That's what they were boasting in. They were boasting in the fact that they were getting people to, to do certain things and that revealed what their God was. They wanted approval. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be seen as special, as holy, and it's totally against what God is after. Heart change is hard, but the cross is a symbol of the heart, not appearances, man. It's, it was ugly. It was bloody. It was the worst. God says, I, I want your heart more than anything. And once your heart is changed, man, then you're going to live a whole new life. You're going to live for God in a whole new way. You're going to obey like you've never obeyed before because your heart is for your father, your, your God. Man, my kids, when they, I mean, they don't do it perfectly because we're all a mess, you know, in the Greenfield home. But I can tell when they just, they come to me and they're, they're, Dad, look what I did. Look, look at, are, are, you, are you proud of what I did? Are you thankful that I, I obeyed here? And man, so much of that is because they, they just, like we sang about before, they, they want relationship with me. They love me. And sometimes they're scared of me. That's, a, that's you know, that's the imperfection of our relationships. But that's not all bad. We get to obey God because of what he has done for us. He wants our hearts to change. And so it's, it's heart over habit. It's also weakness over winning. 
We want, <laughs> we want to boast in our strengths, right? And we'll humble brag, like, oh, it's, you know, no big deal how strong I am, no big deal how successful, no big deal how much I'm winning the game. But God wants to highlight our weakness. The cross is a symbol of weakness for us because he did it all. <clears throat> so we come bringing nothing except a surrendered life. And that's, that's tough. It's weakness. When we sing and we, we talk about lifting our hands, I mean, that's a symbol of surrender. It's a symbol of, of weakness. It's a symbol of, of us saying, I can't, I can't contribute. I can't do anything. It's not about our strength. It's not about how much we're winning the game. We, it, it, it's uncomfortable weakness. It's admitting our weakness and boasting in our weakness. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says he's having this, this, this issue of, of pain in his body, and he's praying that God would remove it. And God, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says this. You can put up that next slide, please. Paul says this, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of what? My weaknesses. When was the last time you boasted in your weakness? Like in for real. So that the power of Christ may rest on me. Man, weakness. God meets us in our weakness. When we are humble, when we surrender our lives, that's when God moves and that's when he acts in power. Heart over habit, winning, weakness over winning, and finally, freedom over fear. This is, <clears throat> Christ came to set us free. And we see this, this scripture, verse 14, at the end, where he says, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This is one of the most powerful verses in scripture. Boasting in the cross changes how we see the world, how we live in the world. It doesn't say the world is dead. It says the world is dead to me. What does it mean? It means the world has no power over me anymore. Are you fearful? Are you bitter? Are you angry? Are you lost, depressed, anxious? I'm not saying there are not other ways that you can help alleviate some of that, that suffering, that burden, but the foundational truth is that the world has been crucified to you. If you have put your faith in Christ, it does not have power over you anymore. And if it does, it means you're boasting in things the world has to offer. When we find ourselves in just constant cycles of sin and of of brokenness where we, we are just disobeying God, where we are not finding the joy that God has for us, often it's because we're, we're boasting in the wrong things. When we boast in the cross, we say, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It has no grip on me any longer. That's freedom. That's the freedom that Christ came to bring. It's, it's us saying, there's nothing in this world that I must have. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Nothing controls me. 
We are now free to enjoy the world, to enjoy what God has for us. It's like when we play an instrument or a sport just for the love of it. We're not competing. We're not, we're not trying to get first place. We're not trying to be the best. We just, for the joy of that, of that guitar, of that piano, of singing, or of playing football, playing bat, whatever that is, there's a joy that comes when we just get to do it because we love it. That's what the world is here. God has given us so much. And he's saying, I want you to enjoy it, but it, it does not have a hold on you any longer. And so we boast in the cross. We are a new creation. It's what it says in verse 15. It's freedom. You are new, a new power from God. And here's the payoff. That, that last verse, verse 16, look at what he says. He says, as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. When we live like this, when we boast, this is what God promises, peace and mercy, peace and mercy. This, uh, when he says this rule, all who walk by this rule, he's saying this way of life. When we live by the gospel, when we live in, in a, when we're, our boast is not in what we do and how we're doing in this world, but when our boast is solely in Christ and his cross, peace comes. And isn't this what we want? It's a mess out there. Christ offers peace to you, to me. Do you receive that? Do you trust him? And what we get to do right now is pretty amazing. We get to put this into practice by coming to the table, the Lord's table, communion. This is where we are instructed by Christ to come and physically participate in the invitation that Christ has given to us, that he is secured through his broken body, his shed blood, he has secured for us significance, value, relationship with our creator. And so when we get to, when we've, we, we, we got to sing all these great songs, we, we get to hear God's word and, and let it sink in. And now we get the opportunity to come to the table. And by doing this, we're, we're boasting in the cross. And if you are a believer, if you have put your trust in Christ, the table is for you and it's for you this morning. If you have not, if you, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, you have not put your, your faith in Christ, I wanna invite you to do that right now and then to come take. But if you're saying, ah, that's just not, I'm not there yet, I'm not ready, we, we don't want to pressure you. We don't want you to go through the motions and play a game. This isn't about appearance. It's about the heart. So just coming up and drinking a cup of juice and eating a piece of bread is not, we're not after ritual. We're after God doing something in us. And so if that, if you don't, if you, you're not ready to put your faith in Christ, then I would encourage you when we come to the table to, to just stay where you are pray, listen to the song, let God move in your heart. And if you're saying, I, I'm putting my trust in Christ today for you and for all of us, then the table is for you. And so what's going to happen is we're going to have, I'm going to ask the people who are serving communion to come forward to, we're going to have three sections. Uh, each of the aisles is going to have uh, a couple with the bread and the juice.
And when you're ready, as you reflect on your life and you, you, you think through this, what am I boasting in type of question, when you're ready, you're gonna just come forward and you're gonna, you're gonna take a piece of bread, you're gonna take a cup, hold on to it and go back to your seats. And then we're gonna all take it together. Now, listen, I know there's a bunch of us here. That one of the beautiful pictures that we see in scripture when we come to the table is we prefer one another. So we're not, you know, elbowing, trying to get up to the front of the line. And this is, a, this is a great opportunity for us to demonstrate the gospel with one another. We don't have a lot of people out directing traffic. So you're just going to come up through the aisles. You're going to grab and then carefully navigate your way back to your seats. And we're going to take the elements together. Church, let's stand up. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you to come. God, you are amazing. You are so good. We will make our boast in Christ alone. That is our cry. That is our desire. Thank you that the cross is there for us to boast in. Thank you that it's an empty cross. Thank you that Christ came and, and suffered and died on that cross, but that he was buried and he rose from the grave because that is the ultimate symbol of our our finished work in you, God, that we are complete because of not just the death, but because of the resurrection. And when we come to the table, we are proclaiming your death and life and resurrection. And so God, I pray that we would be able to reflect on that now and that you would speak to us during this time. Thank you for grace. Thank you for who you are. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.